hey welcome back to a solo session with ash we are reviewing episode six of run the world on stars my therapist says gentlemen and all our people in the non-binary so i'm gonna go ahead and preface this episode with a few disclaimers disclaimers number one i had to watch this episode three times in total to get my notes completely together because the format of this episode the way they shot it it's it's complicated I feel like that's the best way to explain it. It's a very complicated, complicatedly complexly shot episode. So I'm going to try and provide as many like, what's the word? Um, guide as much guidance as I can. Um, I'm not really sure how else to frame it. But then also this episode, because it is set around a therapist office, it kind of it kind of sparked a little bit of my counselor training. Um, For those who don't know, I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling. So while I'm not going to armchair diagnose anyone, because even though I'm not board certified, that would be unethical, I do believe that my recap and my review of this episode is going to be shaped by my clinical training. And then every now and then, Ashley will pop out. So I just wanted to provide those disclaimers as a preference, but a preface, sorry. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So episode six, we start off with this nice little shot of New York and particularly, we're not in Harlem right now. We are in the upper or on the upper west side of New York and we are, we get see outside this nice little brownstone and lo and behold, it is Dr. Nancy's office. Dr. Nancy's our therapist for this episode. And we see Whitney saying that the wedding is bringing out the worst in her friends. And then she kind of slyly is like, and also me as well. And I'm just like, okay, that's a little bit of self-awareness to start. Good for you. Sandy is also seeing Dr. Nancy in a separate session. She says, I feel like every day is a battle and I feel like I'm always on the defense, but I never expected that I would have to be on the defense with my friends. Renee is also in another separate session. Renee says that she's fine. She just figured divorce and therapy go hand in hand. And she's also there because she needs to use her flex spending. And if you have an HSA account with your insurance, you know that you have a certain amount of time to spend that money out that account. So I'm like, okay, Renee, whatever. Then also, Ella is also having a session with Dr. Nancy, and she says, basically, um, she's having a quarter-to-life crisis, in my opinion. She's kind of like, I didn't believe, I can't believe this is where I am in life. And Dr. Nancy is like, girl, what are you talking about? Like, you are 32, you are gainfully employed, you have had a book published. What do you mean where you at in life? And... She kind of tells her, like, you know, I have other clients who are really going through it. And I feel like it's easy to be like, oh, are you minimalizing it? But I recognize that Dr. Nancy is using a centering technique and kind of like reality-based therapy. So where it's like most people or most therapists, their approach is to kind of like go to the past or look to the future. Dr. Nancy is very much like, okay, 
You keep talking about this, but it's based on what what is happening in the present that makes you think that this is happening. And Ella's like, well, let's start, you know, flashback to two years ago. And then the flashbacks begin. Y'all, between jumping between four different therapy sessions and different flashbacks that go from a different cast member's point of view, this is going to get a little crazy. So pay attention. Flashback number one, we flashback two years ago to Ella's book release party. Anderson is by her side. They're working the red carpet, doing the step and repeat. He holds her bag when he needs to. And when it's time to flash that grin, he's giving all of the supportive boyfriend vibes. She's out here kissing babies and shaking hands. And for the most part, um... It's kind of just like, you know, she's enjoying this moment. It very much gave me Demetria Lucas, Belle in Brooklyn, um, you know, don't waste your pretty. And Barb is there. And Barb is like, um, Barb says she is there for the free booze and the free food. And Ella's like, well, thank you. And she says, well, yeah, I haven't read the book, but you know, I can only assume that it'll be fine. Ella's very nervous. And Barb is like, don't worry. Wait for the black girls with too much mouth to just buy the book and you'll be good. I also thought it was funny because this show has a lot of references to sex in the city sometimes. And I wonder if the writers do that on purpose. Um, Anderson and Ella were kind of like getting hot and heavy. Well, not hot and heavy. They were kind of like making out. And Barb was like, you know, there's an hourly rate at the Standard Hotel. And if I remember, the Standard is where Carrie was writing because Aiden was like doing some construction to their apartment. And Mr. Big tracked her down. And that's where, you know, she began her she began her illicit affair. Anywho's, um, so Barb kind of like tells her, you know, just be fine. The black girls will buy the book. And so Ella's agent walks up. And this happens to be like, oh, by the way, the early reviews of your book are bad. Um, they are calling you a sellout and that this is lowbrow. And Ella is pretty much mortified. She's like, well, what about the sales projections? And the agent's like, oh, don't worry about that. You know, sales is fluid. But, you know, I just didn't want you to be blindsided. But go have fun, though. And Ella is pretty much, <laughs> that, that pretty much wraps up the fun of the night there. Of course, Whitney, Renee, and Sandy are at the signing or the book launch. They're so happy to be there. Um, Ella is irritated at Renee's dress. And Renee's like, don't you think I look hot? She's wearing this like bodycon number, but it's like it's open in the front. It's, I don't know how to explain it. Just watch the episode. But you know, Renee serves looks like there has not been an episode yet where Renee did not serve on the fashion scene. So um the trio wants to be supportive Whitney's like this is such a big deal and ultimately Ella kind of starts spinning Renee's like well why are you so worried about the reviews Ella's like you know I'm a writer I'm it's my nature to be self-conscious and worry about what people think of me and Renee tells her do not do not let the negative self-talk take hold and she knows she said this is what you wanted this is what you asked for and then they get distracted by um lamb lollipops and they run off and that ends that flashback right there so we get back to Ella's session with Dr. Nancy 
And Dr. Nancy's very much like, sis, you need to understand. Everybody has problems. Dr. Nancy says, I got osteoporosis and my tax guy retired and now will only communicate using paper mail. But I am still here because I still recognize that I still have a life that is plentiful and whole. And she tells her, she says, you asked for success. What do you think that, what do you, why do, and why do you not feel that you have that? And Ella's like, well, you know, I just don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. And she was like, I wanted my voice amplified. And Dr. Nancy points out, sis, you had a book published and like, and you're a journalist. That is literally the epitome of amplified voice. And she kind of just like tells her, well, Ella tells her like, well, it almost ended my career. And Dr. Nancy points out, but you're still here though. And she also mentions, do you realize that when, oh yeah, she also tells her to remember life is not always going to kiss your ass. I think that is very important because some people truly believe that life is all about having a red carpet rolled out for them. That is not the case. She also mentions, you know, we talk about this flashback a lot. And in this flashback, there are little facts that you will all kind of alter or leave out. But the one thing you always talk about is Renee's fashions. Why is that? We get this little brief montage with Renee having this, <laughs> this fashion moment. We see her storming the sidewalk as a catwalk coming out the bodega. We see her storming out of her, um, you know, just walking out of her job. Her office building, we see her walking in church. Like she is very much the fashion girl. And it transfers to Whitney's sex session. And Whitney's like, Renee is always doing stuff that I would never do. And Dr. Nancy's like, well, expound upon that. What do you mean? And she says, Are you surprised about Renee being so, you know, free? And she says, well, no, she's been like that since her mother enabled her to make her own decisions about her fashion, like in the fourth grade. And she says it kind of like, you know, it's just a little, a, a dropped gem. But the reality is, it's kind of clear that Renee's upbringing afforded her a certain ability to be able to express herself the way she wanted to. And Whitney resents that. She says that when she allows herself freedom, bad things tend to happen. But she also recognizes that, you know, like she just feels like I can just, I, the one time I let loose, I cheat on my fiance. And Dr. Nancy tells her, you believe that everyone needs to be happy. And that is something that just really is getting in your way. So we have another flashback. This time we are flashing back to 2004. Um, it immediately gave me armory party, <laughs> like high school, I guess, dance party. And Renee mentions that she, or you see these three teen versions of Renee, Ella, and Whitney. And Renee is mentioning that she is ready to hear some juke music and some percolate. She's ready for the percolator. And that lets me know these are some Jersey girls. Like, yes, this show might be set in Brooklyn or Harlem or whatever but juke music that is that very much lets me know these some Jersey girls so we see 
that the guys are noticing Whitney and Ella and Renee immediately give her the oh, light-skinned girls about to, you know, steal the show. And Whitney is immediately kind of like bristling because she reminds them, like, in case y'all missed it, these, I, I've literally been teased for being tall and yellow. She's talked about how literally just the semester before, all the boys used to call her Big Bird because she was tall and light-skinned. And I feel like, and I'll probably get in trouble for, like, I might lose my black woman, my dark-skinned black woman um, membership card. But I feel like in the conversation regarding colorism, I think that maybe it's because some of the representatives of the light-skinned women population, their accounts of their stories kind of seem very much trapped in vanity. I do think there is space for us to recognize that body issues are not exclusive to dark-skinned Black women. And in this case, there were some insecurities that came with that. But I don't feel that Whitney use that to be a shitty person okay stay with me so Renee and Ella tell her that ain't nobody interested in her pretty girl problems and Whitney says you know like I purposely go out of my way not to be noticed because I don't ever want y'all to think I'm taking the attention away from you and Renee kind of like says bitch ain't nobody had asked you to do that and it kind of like made me feel bad for Whitney because it was you want to be a typical teenager and you want a cute boy to talk to you and ask you you know for a dance but then you also don't want your friends to feel shitty and I feel like that's a lot to deal with as a teenager shoot me um we flash back to the present and Renee is basically in denial about that how that dynamic works and she pretty much says that I never asked her to play small for me and ultimately Whitney's need to placate everyone else's feelings is a burden to the rest of her friends I feel like that is partially a true statement but I also feel like Renee has to acknowledge the part she plays in that and Dr. Nancy's gonna get in her ass about it as we progress in the episode um she I think Dr. Nancy says something like well you know had you ever thought about how this perspective kind of went down in Whitney's head and Renee's like now Dr. Nancy you decide you started seeing me first so you gotta like you have to take my side Dr. Nancy's like yeah but it's interesting I see you the least and Renee kind of says, well, I get that, you know, she's getting married, but so what if she's the bride? Why does everybody have to give her what she wants? No one ever does that for me. And that is the catalyst to all of this. It is constantly mentioned in therapy and in counseling that we as practitioners often say it's not about what is being said it's about what is not being said what is the language that is lost in translation what are the nonverbal cues where the body what is the body language saying what are the actions saying and we have another flashback this time it is three years ago Jason and Renee, or particularly Renee, has announced to her friends that she and Jason are not going to have kids. Um, she and her friends are kind of like, 
didn't we already know that? <laughs> and Renee's like, yeah, but you know, I've told y'all I didn't want kids, but I like really came to the conclusion and Jason and I both agree that kids just don't fit into what we want right now. She mentions that she does not want to be the mom who moves to Brooklyn and, you know, becomes like a mommy and me mom. Another nod to sex in the city. Um, and she's also says like, you know, the guy who does the best vaginal rejuvenation surgeries, he's just died. So like on top of that, college is going to be expensive once the little knucklehead gets here and turns 18. So ultimately we're going to take that money and we're going to travel the world and be a a fabulous couple. And literally everyone's like, okay, girl, cool. Congratulations. And that's the end of that. And you kind of see that Renee is like a little irritated that they aren't more I guess excited I don't know Renee so all of a sudden Sandy's phone rings and we find out that this is the beginning of her romantic slash physical interactions with Professor Matthew and so Ella and Whitney are like girl is that the professor texting you about coming over in the middle of the day Ella's like honey when did y'all get to daytime booty calls Whitney starts talking about how she has this fantasy that she messes with the professor and like you know it it very much gives like porno (laughs) vibes whatever um and so Whitney and Ella are kind of not lavishing Sandy in this moment but they're very much showing that this is interesting to them and honestly I kind of get it um Jamar yells at me about this a lot but I constantly want to be in my single friends dating lives slash um romantic interactions and when I say that I don't care about married people drama like I do not care I don't have a lot of married friends and I feel like after a certain point when you get married you don't really talk about (laughs) your problems like that like you don't just go spraying your tea everywhere like that but when my friends who are single and they tell me about these crazy dates that they go on or you know they tell me about the hot sex that they're having or these interactions that they're having i love hearing about that because it's the start of a new experience whether it ends in you torching that nigga's car which ladies do not do that we do not believe in vandalism or if it ends in y'all actually having a serious relationship. The journey and the crazy things that lead up to these human interactions, that's the type of stuff I thrive on. That's just me. So, <laughs> like I said, I enjoy my friends dating shenanigans. Renee does not. So, Renee kind of like really pisses on Sandy's parade. And she's like, I think this is a very unwise thing to do. I feel like you gonna end up listening to these two and you gonna jeopardize everything you have worked for. And that's just not the best thing. And she just seems like so salty about it. So we come back to therapy and Renee is like, they're sitting here lavishing her. And you know, here I am now divorced and childless and basically restarting my retirement fund. Cause remember, Jason took all of their money to spend on this band. So Nancy kind of tells her, no offenses, you made these choices. And in particular, when you announce things to your friends, you tell them in a such matter of fact way that no one is going to argue with it because these are declarations. 
and you like you don't you like you would dare anybody to do that and she kind of gets mad at dr nancy like how dare you say that and dr nancy says it is unfair that you expect your friends to read between the lines and ask you why you're making the choices you're making you're making when ultimately you you treat these choices as if they are law and <laughs> dr nancy's like that is not healthy to th- expect that of your interactions. Renee then says, they should know what I need. We've been friends longer than we've not been friends. So they should automatically articulate what I want. And Dr. Nancy, as a matter of fact, is like, girl, you sound delusional. Really drag racing during the middle of the day, whatever. But yeah, like, you know, Dr. Nancy is very much like, Renee, you sound unhinged asking this of your friends. And this is where we come to another flashback yet again. All right, our next flashback takes us two years prior. Um, This is after Ella's book has been released. And unfortunately, the reviews are not good. The sales are not doing well. Um, Ella's trending on Twitter. It's just not a good look. The friend group is at Ella's apartment, kind of just like trying to help her not spin out. And Ella's reading through the comment section and Renee's like, girl, fuck them people. Like they literally thumb thugging behind these keyboards. Like stop feeling so, like stop feeling you're a slave to these reviews. And Whitney mentions, this is the first time that I have identified with your writing. Ella says, ouch. And Whitney says, the truth of the matter is, your writing is very much usually, I am woman, hear me roar. But this was more, while I am independent, I also acknowledge that I want love. Excuse me. This kind of sets the tone for this scene in particular, but also kind of where Sandy's gripe is with Ella in this situation. Because remember, we still have this carryover from episode five where Sandy is upset with Ella about the situation with um, Professor Baptiste. So um, Sandy kind of points out like, yes, sis, you know, a lot of your writings were originally more free your mind and now it's more home on the range and it's just kind of like face it sis it's because you're dickmatized and I feel like that is very not important but that was something that had to be said now I don't think Ella had the self-awareness at the time to realize that perhaps her perception had changed. And she's saying, yeah, because you know, whoever I was at 24 is not who I am at 29. Okay, that is true. However, you have to understand that if your perspective on life changed, perhaps that is also going to be reflecting in your writing unless you can separate the two. And basically, kind of, Sandy kind of tells her, ultimately, this book was not the feminist forward and sex positive sex exploration novel that you promised and that your readers are used to. And ultimately, you have to take accountability for the fact that you left your core viewership slash readership behind. 
Um, in this moment, Renee makes a joke and says, you want me to slap her? And it immediately gave me Clary Belcher and Weezer Boudreaux vibes from Steel Magnolias. Um, and then they get into this weird side conversation about like, have you ever slapped a person? I've always wanted to know how it felt to slap a person. Apparently Whitney slapped a Becky at Harvard for putting her hand on Ola's thigh. Um, okay. Uh, I guess. Sure, whatever. <laughs> and for the most part, Sandy kind of wraps it up by saying, ultimately, normally I know who you're writing is for. Who did you write this book for? And we come back to the present. And we now have Sandy saying that perhaps she is a bit harsh. But ultimately, that's what makes her a good friend. Because good friends will stab you in the front. But they will always have your back. Dr. Nancy is like, um, sis, a stabbing from a friend is A, your friend still is still your friend and B you still got stabbed like like what what are we missing here and um Sandy gives her this weird thing about yeah but she is my sister and you know we are mirrors of each other so it's like you know if I can't tell you about this then who can and she says that has been their friendship model since they were at Spellman. And I'm like, aha, we finally have some background that this foursome was birthed at Spellman during undergrad. Thank you, writers and producers. It was killing me. <laughs> um, and she kind of just expands onto the mirror friend um, concept. She basically says, you know, ultimately... Your friends are your mirrors. So it's like who you are and what you model is mirrored for you. And she kind of starts talking about why that plays a factor into her feeling some type of way that Ella was so quick to, I guess, like agree with Professor Baptiste. And Dr. Nancy mentions, we talked about this. Didn't we already decide that Baptiste didn't know what she was talking about? So, like, screw her. And Sandy's like, yeah, but... And she's still harping on this shit. And ultimately, we get to the root of it, which ultimately, Sandy does not believe that Ella is reciprocating her blind loyalty. And we have another flashback. We are now back two years in time again. At this point in time... Ella's book has been released. Ella's book has failed. <laughs> um, and now Anderson has also disappeared to South Africa to take another job. Ella is in full breakup mode. She's crying. She's talking about, oh, it smells like him. Sandy is very much like, girl, pull your shit together. And Ella's just like really going through it. And for the most part, Sandy is placating her feelings, but also... She's also reminding her, you need to reel it in. Because all of a sudden, Ella starts talking this crazy talk about how she'll never find love again. And Sandy says, let's not be hyperbolic. And I was like, Sandy, that is absolutely right. Because whenever your friends start to spin out, it is important to acknowledge their feelings and say, oh, I understand you are hurt. However, it is important that we also do not become devoid of reality. And in that moment, it was very clear that Sandy was like, girl, 
this is literally a bump in the road we will move forward and we get back to the present and Sandy's like I have always given Ella this blonde loyalty I've ride or die I've rode or die ride or die for her and she kind of says that but ultimately she's always judging me and Dr. Nancy's like hold up when she start judging you? And she's like, I would have never cried over Anderson's bitch ass. And she just kind of starts going on this rant. She starts flashing back to the party. She's like, I know what she must thought of me playing Mrs. and blah, blah. And Dr. Nancy is very confused. Like, but what part of that made you feel that Ella was judging you? And the reality of it was Dr. Nancy points out to her that ultimately you have made this progression in Matthew's life where, yes, you two have been romantically involved for two years. Common pause, however, you are now public. So you threw this party to prove to everyone that you had this, I guess, like confirmed, committed, secure love and that, you know, you have stepped into this role of also being his love interest. However, why, who, are, who are you trying to prove? Like, what are you trying to prove? Are you trying to prove the validity of how you got there? And ultimately, she says she, Sandy, is the one who keeps fueling this concern about everyone else's opinion. And perhaps Ella is kind of showing her the mirror of what she does not want to acknowledge. Matter of fact, Dr. Nancy is like, mirror, mirror, bitch. <laughs> then... It kind of like breaks in, I guess, sequence again, I guess. And we go back to Ella. And Ella basically goes like, you know, I was so highly favored in my 20s, early 20s. Like, you know, I was celebrated. And basically, it kind of sounds like Ella was a walking cliche for black girl magic. And she's like, my life is over. Or I feel like my life is over because of where I'm at now. And... Dr. Nancy is once again very much like, so something happened to you that was kind of inconvenient and it's kind of throwing you off course. Why is that such a big deal? And she says she recognizes that ultimately what she does have now is because Barb took mercy on her despite her being a complete arrogant asshole. And this is where we come to yet another flashback in the story. flashback three years ago Barb is meeting Ella at dinner and basically Barb decides to offer Ella an editorial director position I'm not sure if the position was at Hot Tea Digest specifically or if it was for another publication either way Barb has proven to be one of those mentors who truly is looking out you know for the black women in her profession and from my understanding like based on the kind of cues in this interaction this is a pretty big offer specifically for someone who's like 28 editorial director that call me crazy but that seems kind of huge ella turns her down and says sorry sis i'm gonna be busy writing a memoir instead and Barb, in my opinion, was deservedly correct when she points out, you are 28, about to be 29 years old. What is it in your life that you have done 
that elicits a memoir because that's what she's writing. She's not just writing any book. She's writing a memoir. And Barb is confused. And Barb st- straight up tells her, I didn't become interesting until I turned 35. And I believe that while the age shouldn't be specific, I feel like there is a certain amount of like life happenings that happen to a person before things really start to get spicy. In the way that my grandma says, sometimes there's a thin line between what will pepper the gumbo, point blank period. And she points out that, you know, I enjoy your writings, but ultimately there is a difference between an influencer who has rants and ravings and musings on social media and an actual author. Elle says that, All of that is irrelevant because her publisher just pushed an eight-year-old's book. And Barb says, yes, sis, that's because the eight-year-old in question is a Syrian war refugee who pioneered a whole humanitarian effort. That is something to write home about. Ella dismisses Barb and basically says, you don't always know what you're talking about. And, you know, says in this instance, you are completely wrong. And she pretty much says, thanks, but no thanks. And you know, she walks out of the restaurant. And in the flashback, Barb says, what a disaster. And in the present, Ella's like, well, technically, I don't really know if she said that. And Dr. Nancy was like, girl, we really need to work on like your confidence. And Ella says, I want invincibility, but all I worry about is financial security. And in that, It leaves no room for you to be fearless. And it's like part of me completely unabashedly agrees with that when it comes to wanting to be stable after something, you know, pretty shaky and traumatic has happened. There is not always room to be fearless because you're in survival mode. However, there is also... Up, there's also a time and place where you have to take some accountability for how you will show up as your new self. There, like, there's a certain level of responsibility that a person has to take after a situation and say, okay, I decide that I'm going to rebuild my life. However, how am I going to do that if I keep playing it small and I do not assess what needs to be done? And Dr. Nancy tells her, you keep making excuses. And Ella's like, well, you know, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to get back into writing, but I work at fucking Hot Tea Digest. And Dr. Nancy says, you say that like it pains you. And she reminds her that Hot Tea Digest is an opportunity, despite writing about dogs of TikTok, which Dr. Nancy's like, I love this little beagle y'all covered. And Ella's like, of course, but Dr. Nancy reframes it. And I always think that is so important in therapy. She says, Hot Tea Digest is a way for you to use your talent, even if you don't realize it, because you are still writing, your voice is amplified, and you are still And plus, you're making money. You are making a good living despite this. But most importantly, it is a job that leaves you the time to still do what you want to do. And ultimately, you have to decide to show up for yourself. And I'm like, Dr. Nancy, 
you hit the nail on the head. We get back to Sandy and Dr. Nancy asks, asks a pretty legitimate question in my opinion. She says, you know, you have had this fever slash irritation for Professor Baptiste. You've had this irritation for Ella. Have you even had a conversation with Matthew about what Professor Baptiste says? Sandy completely bypasses that and says, you know, and she, did I tell you she called me sis and blah, blah. And Dr. Nancy is like, yes, you mentioned that in several of our previous virtual appointments. And she even says, you have mentioned it ad nauseum. And she meant, she says, and Dr. Nancy acknowledges, per, excuse me, perhaps the aspect of calling another black woman sis, perhaps it's maybe a cultural colloquialism that I do not understand, but I am not able to wrap my mind around why this is such a problem for you. And Sandy simply dismisses it as, yeah, it's just a black girl thing. But the reality of it is, Dr. Nancy was giving her the opportunity to say, this seems like it is a specifically difficult or annoying thing to you let's unpack why that is making you feel this way and I think she also recognizes beyond that cultural blanket that once again it's not what's being said it's what's not being said ultimately Dr. Nancy says you are stifling yourself because you are too busy trying to get insurance to prove that you made the right decision by changing who you are to fit into Matthew's life and that is the end of Sandy's session. Ultimately, we end up back with Whitney. Whitney is writing incessantly in her notepad. And Dr. Nancy is like, I know, you know, therapy is like where I drop all the gems. But in order for you to really grasp and learn from this, you have to be present and you have to distinguish with distinguish the difference between what is the best and what is your personal best. And she tells Whitney it is wrong to envy people's or like to condemn people for being selfish because ultimately life is about self. She asks Whitney to evaluate the fact that her acts of self-sabotage are ultimately the product of her being unkind to herself. Dr. Nancy goes on to tell her, you have to understand mistakes are par for the course in life. Whitney, of course, is like, well, yeah, you know, I really made this mistake. And Dr. Nancy says, well, you know, since you always had to overdo it. But ultimately, if you are going to keep this secret, you got to move on and stop sabotaging yourself. She asks, Oh, I think Whitney asked her about what she should do about the dress situation. If y'all remember in episode five, Renee started carrying on about wanting the slit in her dress. And Dr. Nancy said, give her the slit. Don't give her the slit. It's not going to matter as much. Ultimately, you really just need to get a hold of what you are feeling. And that is the end of Whitney's um, session. And then we go back to Renee. Renee is like, can I have something that I need for once? She's like, why won't Whitney let me have it? Um, (laughs) Which also Whitney points out in her session that she feels it's kind of messed up that Renee is asking her for all these concessions about the dress when when Whitney had to wear a poofy chiffon hideous number for her wedding. And I'm like, 
those are fair things to assess. Um, as someone who has gotten married, I really worked hard to make sure that I got a dress that everyone in my bridal party liked, but that their bodies felt comfortable in. And certain dresses, I, I, I did allow my cousin to, you know, get her dress altered and get a little slit. Because uh, I just felt like, you know, that's her. That's what she want. That's fine. But back to Renee. Um, Renee is like, if I have to walk down the aisle with the man who I'm divorcing, because remember, Jason is in the wedding. She's like, I at least deserve to have my split. And because she's like, that's my needs. And Dr. Nancy points out, your body is not your need. Like, the desire to look a certain way, that is not a need. And ultimately, nothing is needed to distract you from this pain. You just need to go ahead and face it on. Face it head on. Um, she gives her a homework assignment. And Renee is like, I don't see the point of this. And Dr. Nancy quickly reminds her, just in case you forgot we don't have to do this if you come on time and you actually come to therapy regularly. You would not be spending out like this. <clears throat> you would not be spending out like this if you did the work. And that is the number one lesson I tell my friends, family members, strangers. Go to therapy. Don't fucking lie to your therapist because A, that's a waste of your money and a waste of the therapist's time. But more importantly, be engaged. Do the work. Understand therapy is not always going to leave you feeling like sunshine and roses are growing out of your ass. It is going to be intense, especially if you are doing the work. And ultimately, your therapist is not your friend. Your therapist is there to provide you a safe clinical space to explore your feelings. However, they are also there to help you process and understand what has happened to you. And that is what is happening to Renee. Um, Dr. Nancy points out that divorce and the fear of abandonment is really causing Renee to kind of spiral out of control. And ultimately, you are refusing to do the work and in the process you are taking it out on your friends if you do not do the work here the least you can do is let your friends in so that they are better equipped to know how to help you and she tells her that her homework assignment is to do this i feel exercise where basically if she wants to share something with someone she starts by saying i feel this is a way to identify <clears throat> her emotions and also share them in a healthy space. So the girls, <clears throat> why am I so hoarse all of a sudden? The girls meet up and Renee finally admits her feelings. She basically says, I'm flailing. Um, this divorce is harder than I realized it would be. And ultimately, I was mad at Jason for so long. Now that the mad has finally worn off. All I have left is the fear of being alone. Um, she talks about how she feels like um, she'll probably die in her condo. It'll be days before anyone finds her. And her friends reinforce that while they cannot provide any sexual or romantic comfort, they will always be there as her friends to provide love and support. And ultimately, that is what you would hope for in a friendship. 
um, Sandy gets mushy and she's like, I will go to jail for all of you. And they are all like, um, be very clear. We are not ride or die. Um, I love y'all, but I'm, I'm turning everyone you in. Whitney even said, I will frame myself to keep myself out of jail. And yeah, that is the end of episode six of Run the World on Stars. My therapist says, thank y'all so much for joining me for another episode. Y'all can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Auntie Ash underscore. That is A-U-N-T-I-E-A-S-H underscore. You can find Kiki at K-Dior. Remember to check out her encore on BET recaps, as well as we're getting ready. She's getting ready to wind up um her ready to love recaps because we have the season finale next week so now we've just got two more episodes with the part one and part two of the reunion y'all please if you are not already listening please listen to those ready to love recaps because y'all it's the best part of the show personally the show took a turn for me in these past few episodes specifically with the antics of a certain um lawyer and a certain bearded music producer that's all i'm going to say um so please make sure you are tuned in for that and more than likely kiki and i are probably going to record episodes of our like actual podcast on the rocks pretty soon because a lot of stuff has been happening so with that being said i love you all i thank you so much and i hope to see you soon bye